one of the things that I said in the last podcast is when a man is working his recovery, when he is sober, he is working on the marriage, even though that may not be a direct thing that they're working on yet. And there reaches a point where you know the wife hears this invitation, either directly or a prompting, that maybe it's beginning to be time to work on the relationship itself, to work on the marriage. And so in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the second part of the journey of what does it look like when the wife feels safe enough to be vulnerable enough to begin to invest a little bit into the coupleship and what kind of support that they need, what challenges are they're going to be, and even what are some of the indicators that this is the next step for you and what you can look for. Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host. I don't often introduce myself, so I thought Good job. I was I, I, I was overdue. Let's talk about me for a minute. <laughs> We're here with our host, Dr. Greg Miller, and once again, we have been blessed by the presence of Debbie Laser, LMFT, Director of Faithful and True, and all around great gal. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's, it's, all, it's all on your business card. I, I print those up. The great up, gal so. part. I like I, the great gal part is especially true. Uh, we're happy to have you back with us. We uh, got into a conversation on the last podcast and uh, decided that uh, it would be great to do a follow-up to that. Absolutely. So if you listen to our last podcast, we talked about kind of the early days of what is helpful or needed for a couple to navigate the complexity and the pain of betrayal. And what we talked about was they are journeys that are done together, and yet they are also very separate, where the husband is taking responsibility for his addiction, he's going after sobriety, he's seeking to understand what was driving it so that he can answer some of the questions of why you did what you did. And the wife is getting the support and the help that she needs to heal from the pain and the trauma of the betrayal. And so one of the things that I said in the last podcast is when a man is working his recovery, when he is sober, he is working on the marriage, even though that may not be a direct thing that they're working on yet. And there reaches a point where you know the wife hears this invitation either directly or a prompting that maybe it's beginning to be time to work on the relationship itself, to work on the marriage. And so in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the second part of the journey of what does it look like when the wife feels safe enough to be vulnerable enough to begin to invest a little bit into the coupleship and what kind of support that they need, what challenges are they're going to be, and even what are some of the indicators that um, this is the next step for you and what you can look for. Well, I've, I've noticed in working with women, and because we have opportunities for them to come to a workshop and work on the, their own journey, as well as get involved in virtual or in-person groups here and individual counseling, they have a lot of opportunities to work on themselves. And I do notice that after a time, it, it seems like they're aware that they are changing some. They're, you know, they're just taking in some new ideas about what what it is to respond to things and be in a healthier place or slow life down or pay more attention to what they're feeling and 
be more articulate about what they're needing and it's almost like you know i feel like it's time to add more of that couples piece mm -hmm. and and i love it when they just sense that it's like this has been great i have some great people out there now that are supportive of me and my desire is still to grow my relationship with my husband right. so um i like that we believe in starting that as soon as she's ready to start that and uh, there are some that believe in you know keeping this separate for a long long time but we like to introduce marriage work when she's ready to do that and when we have evidence of enough safety between the two of them that we can put them in a room together and be able to have safe conversations. Right. You know, one of the patterns that I see is sometimes, and this was true for Beth and I, um, once we opened ourselves, and really it was Beth, once Beth was more open to the relationship, we would stumble into intimacy and connection. Um, we, we might have a connecting conversation. We might accidentally have fun together. Um, we might go out and spend time with the boys and realize that we were connecting in that. And I think one of the things that can happen early on is that that can be very disorienting. Um, I remember distinctly the first conversation that Beth and I had that didn't have anything to do with my addiction, the betrayal, my recovery, and we just stumbled into a conversation about tortilla soup. And it wasn't a, obviously a big topic, but it was just a nice point of connection. And I think what can happen for couples is when they stumble into connection, it can generate hope and it can also generate fear. Um, I'll be working with a guy and um, he'll, we'll be talking and he'll say, I don't know what happened. We had this great weekend. We had fun. And then all of a sudden it was like she picked a fight on Sunday night. <laughs> and I would, and she said, and he would go, well, maybe we didn't have a good time. I go, no, no, no. What may be true is you actually did have a great connection. It was fun. And maybe she got scared and she, the way of coping with her fear was to pick that fight. And so I think one of the indicators that a couple might need help with some marriage or couple's work is they're stumbling into intimacy, they're stumbling into connection, and they're not quite sure what to do with that. And therefore, one of the really important parts of this next season or part two of recovery is being able to identify and talk about what you're feeling and thinking. And having talked to many wives who's had this situation, I think one of the things I hear most is that I'm really afraid we had a great Saturday night, and now I bet he thinks I'm all fine, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. so, and yet, she's not confident enough to share that uh, all, without help. Right. And that's where couples work, and it turns into marriage work, is helping someone to bring out those feelings and thoughts that are in there that are could keep them very stuck if they're not talked about. Well, and, and what, I, what is true is working with the men, they do want to feel like everything is fine. You know... Um, <laughs> well, therein lies our problem. I know, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we, we're, we're landing it's on all the men. Yeah. Is that um, one of the things I try to communicate to, to men is don't try to judge tomorrow based upon how today went. Y'all might have a great connection today, and tomorrow there may be a great disconnection. Um, today there may be a lot of distance, and tomorrow there's a lot of connection. So allow each moment to be its own, and don't try to make a projection about the future, especially early on, given what's happening today. But I do think what's true is we 
we do want to try to read any messages of hope we possibly <laughs> can. Yeah. We do want to believe that maybe things are getting better. And and there is this part of us that once, if things are getting better, that means that maybe I don't have to do as much work. Mm-hmm. And we want men to understand, even if things are getting better, even if you're moving forward on your own journey in recovery or in your coupleship, there continues to be work that has to be done. Mm-hmm. So accepting that, you know, that we don't all have to be at the same place emotionally every single day. And she may be having a very sad trigger day, and he may be having a very hopeful, happy day. And that that's okay. And the coupleship can still move forward if they can just accept that they're where they need to be for that time. And that it doesn't necessarily mean they've lost vision or hope for things that change. I think, again, we put too much emphasis on smaller things that are happening, day-by-day things, events, or a nice dinner or whatever, instead of looking at the big picture and where they're going, what they've done so far, the work they've put in, the hope they have, the hope that others are holding for them, knowing that they're just where they need to be. This is where all couples are at about six months. Right. Crazy places, up and down, all around, um, normalizing it for them so that they don't just trust their own moment of happiness or lack of for what the future is going to bring. Well, and that, yeah, that idea that can we commit to going to dinner, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we have to commit for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we can decide that we want to go away for a weekend, and that doesn't mean that everything is okay or that's going to say something about the future. And mm-hmm. I do think that anxiety of, Whatever decision I'm making now means I'm making these in the future gets too overwhelming. So even helping people to understand you can make a decision about this moment and then you will need to make a decision later on, but you don't have to make that decision right now. Mm -hmm. So bringing into this next season is also that idea that both of you have choices. You know, as, as a man, you have choices. As a woman, she has choices. If you start out with the intention of this fun day and it doesn't work, you can have choices to cut it short. You can enter into some place that's kind of scary, a a family reunion, and know that you don't have to stay for the whole time. You have choices to leave. I think helping people to practice having choices and live them out, making those choices within their setting is one of the ways we ground that idea that they don't need to be victimized or something doesn't always have to be following the same routine. You know, I think one of the things that gets exposed in this season is how much of our life is driven by a sense of obligation. And um, for many of us, there's this operating system that's kind of unconscious, but it's this, I'm supposed to do this or I have to do this or this is the way it's done. And I do think it's very empowering for people to recognize, oh, I do have choices. You know, something as simple as a family reunion, well, the expectation is we will be there for the entire time. And yeah, maybe that's the expectation. And maybe out of the past, you've stayed, you you didn't want to stay for the whole time, you just felt obligated. So there is an empowering that says, you know what, we can go for half a day. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, especially around when couples are trying to discover sexual intimacy, A lot of energy, many times in coupleships, has been obligation around sexuality. And to get really clear, we can go and have a nice dinner, and that doesn't mean that we have to have some sort of sexual experience after that. And so what's happening is as we change patterns, old patterns are being exposed. And it's important, I think, that we acknowledge the old patterns 
and the desire for a new pattern going forward. Yeah, and I think in all of this, our couples hopefully have learned enough about being intentional that they are talking about real things and what's happening and planning for things, both that might go well and might not go well, uh, so that they have options when they're out and about. And they're aware of when they need to change plans because they're fatigued or they've over-invested in something. Um, that self-care part is really important for both of them to take into this next season. And I think to be able to acknowledge that of one another, even though I may need to leave early, and if you don't, that you acknowledge that that's okay. We don't have to be doing the same thing. Um, you know, those are just ways, too, of honoring each other, of being respectful of our personal needs and hearing and understanding those and, and accepting that we can have differences. Right. One of the, the big things, I think, that happens in this season for most couples is they redefine what intimacy is and they redefine what love is. Mm -hmm. That, you know, we, we may have this idea that intimacy or love is we agree on everything or we do everything together. I, um, that, um, that idea of I can stay longer, you can leave early, and that doesn't mean we're not intimate, it doesn't mean that we don't love each other, but if I grew up being taught this message from somewhere that love means we do everything together, love means that um, if you like it, I like it, versus no intimacy is when we bring our full selves, our vulnerable selves to the relationship, and we share what is similar, but we also share and acknowledge what is different, and we are okay with that. Mm -hmm. So driving separately to the family reunion is, <laughs> a, is actually a choice. It, it's a choice and, and not, not all that bad. Right, absolutely. And when would you have ever thought you might want that choice right. when you first married? You know, right. You just don't even think of that. But actually that's sometimes the best decision. Right. Um, then you have options. You have choices to do things differently if you need to. I, so. I think another language that is introduced into this is the language of needs. Mm -hmm. Where we... we can assume that in a good marriage, you automatically know what the other person wants and needs. And sometimes we are given that message by our spouse that, you know, you've been married to me all this time, you're supposed to know these things. But what we know is, in a healthy functioning relationship, I don't expect my spouse to know my needs, and so therefore if I have a need, I share it. And then we figure out how, it's great when we can accommodate each other's needs or meet each other's needs, what becomes complicated is when our needs seem to be oppositional. Um, there are topics that come up and I think this is what I need. My spouse may feel like that's what she needs. They're very different. So we may need some help knowing how to share needs that are different and work towards meeting those needs in a safe way. But one of the things that we know in this second part, if we're really working on intimacy, we have to also be working on owning our needs, sharing our needs, being aware of our needs, and for a lot of people, this is a brand new language. Yeah. I just, I just love that idea almost more than anything, that we speak our needs. <laughs> you know, I drive a lot, as people sometimes know, because I go visiting family and so forth. But one of my favorite little uh, blurbs on the Wisconsin Highway is, until we can read each other's minds... Use your, your signal. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and it's like, that's a marital thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> because we cannot read each other's minds. So yeah. tell your spouse where you're going, what you're thinking and needing. Turn on your blinker. Turn on the blinker. Oh, I love that. I yeah. know. Isn't that great?
When You'll they, remember that because it'll be now one of your great analogies. <laughs> no, no, but yeah. I'll give you credit. Okay. Yeah. Deb one time said <laughs> One time. But it, I do think so much of the chaos that is in our relationships comes from misunderstanding of what intimacy and relationship and marriage and all of that is either through messages that weren't true that were given to us through media or books that we read or information that really wasn't helpful that we saw modeled for us. And so, so much of this second season is unlearning. First, we have to be aware of what we've learned, but unlearning that and then replacing it with more truth and wisdom in how to move forward. Um, one of the, the challenging parts of this is, um, for, this is my, my perspective, is when we are able to shift from that blame place to that ownership place. And um, one of the things I often will say to a man, especially early in recovery, is you have hurt your wife and you are not responsible for all of her hurts. And you are not the one to tell her that. That on her own, it will be important that she come to the realization that yes, my husband has hurt me, but not all of my hurts are because of him. And if I can believe that, then I will begin to be open to see what else has been hurtful? Where else have I been betrayed or, or um, uh, someone has responded poorly? And then how might I be bringing that pain into the relationship? But early on, that may be something that she's not able to be aware of. But what's also true for her is true for him. You have been hurt by your wife, but she's not responsible for all of your hurt. So part of your journey is seeing where you have been hurt and how you've been bringing that into the marriage. And that, I think, can be a very challenge. It's an important part, but can be a challenging dance for a couple to begin mm-hmm. to learn. And when you can start sharing those stories, it really starts changing a marriage. Mm-hmm. And they're older stories about what formed and shaped you. And we all have them, and none of us lived perfect lives. So when we begin to feel safe enough to share those kinds of stories, we really start building that vulnerability and the intimacy that we're looking for, emotional and spiritual intimacy in the relationship. And that's why I think we need other people other than our spouse speaking truth to us. Mm-hmm. Because what's just true is there's times when our spouse is speaking truth, but because it's our spouse, we just have a filter where we cannot hear it. Mm-hmm. So we need other wise women and wise men. We need professionals that can challenge us, that we can be maybe open to somebody else's voice. And you've heard me, if you've listened to podcasts, you probably have heard me talk about one of the prayers that I think is so helpful is when there is something that we would like for our spouse to hear, and we, they cannot hear it from us, simply to pray, God, will you please bring a voice into their life that can speak truth that they can hear? And because we do need to hear the truth, and because of the chaos and the pain in our marriages, sometimes we can't hear it from our spouse. That's just true. And we can hear it from somebody else. Yeah. I, we've we've touched on this some, but I, I want to speak about it again because I think in this next season, another important piece um, to growing is that piece of being a safe person. And and we use that word safety kind of, I don't know, a lot. A lot. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to dig down to specifically what we mean by that. And I know we've written a chapter about that in our toolkit for growth when Mark and I wrote some of those chapters Um, But safety emotionally, spiritually, financially, sexually are all important things to look at because 
as I say to anyone I'm speaking to, none of us are squeaky clean safe all the time. It's something we can work on the rest of our life. And if we can at least know some of the things on a list, and, and we do list a bunch of things in terms of how we communicate with other people in this chapter, um, it's interesting that we hadn't even thought about some of those things before. You know, interrupting someone a lot. Um, sarcasm is, is not seen as being healthy in the relationship. Of course, blaming, taking inventory about, you know, you're just like your dad, and you're just, you talk just like your mom. No wonder we have trouble in our marriage. You know, all of those things are very, we create a lot of lack of safety. And the more unsafe we are with each other, the more distance we're going to create because that's just what we do to be safe. So um, I think one of the things that we can all be working on in our own individual journeys before we get to the marriage journey is how I am unsafe and really taking an inventory of that. I had a woman once that showed up in group. She was so sweet and you know, she had been really working on her own grieving process and impact statement and all those things that were so helpful to moving through her her loss and her pain of the betrayal. But she started working on some of these other things because marriage work had started for them. And she opened up this chapter and she was she goes, guys, you won't believe this, but guess what, she says. She's reading down this list. She's going sarcastic. Yes. Yeah. Interruptive. Yes. Talk with too loud of a volume. Yes. And she's going down this whole list. And it was, it was you know, funny. And it was so beautiful to see her mm -hmm. owning, like, I've really got to work on some yeah. of these things. Right. And our yeah. temptation can be, yeah. we read that list with our spouse in mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, Thank you. Right. <laughs> critiquing them. Yeah. Well, yeah. True. So right. it is that piece of really reflective looking at myself. What am I doing to contribute to our our coupleship not being safe? And it is tone, it is words, it's patterns, um, and just being aware that I make choices that contribute to our relationship not being safe. And when I become aware of that, I go back and own that. Yes, I did this. Um, and when, we, when we're talking about ownership, we often talk about the fact it's not just acknowledgement, but it's also the fact that you create a plan to change and you implement that plan. And so sometimes we feel like, oh, I've done enough if I just apologize and say, oh, yeah, I did that. But if it's, I, yeah, I did that again, yeah, I did that again, too many agains begin to minimize the acknowledgement piece. And that's why we have to find ways to do it differently. If I have a pattern of raising my voice and name calling, and that's something I really work on, yes, I may fall back into that pattern once or twice. I go back and apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm working on this. These are some things that I'm doing to try to change that. Um, but without that second part, it just feels empty over time. Absolutely. So we've been talking about a lot of elements that we talk about here and we teach in our groups and our workshops. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I just wanted to make a note that these are also things that have been brought into our marriages, each of us, because of what we have learned in our life. They, they have created the patterns that contribute to how we do this as a couple. And so in some ways, all this work of recovering from an addiction in our marriage is also contributing 
to how we will do relationship. And so it does become a piece, not only of our marriage and its relationship, but our relationship with everyone. Right. Uh, we use all of these skills and if we want, if we're doing a good job right. in terms of our relationship with our kids and our friends and our bosses and everybody. Well, it's the idea that if I'm going to choose recovery, every aspect of my life will recover. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just about stopping a behavior. It is that journey of transformation. And so how I parent, how I am an employee, how I relate to my neighbors, all of that is going to be transformed if I'm genuinely doing that deeper work. I can perform in my marriage temporarily, but long term, I can't continue a performance. At some point, my authenticity is going to leak out. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're wanting it to be that deeper journey of that inner transformation that can't be performed, that can't be acted, but really is a genuine expression of the work that's being done inside of us. So the second stage really includes, doesn't it, Satir's wonderful saying that addiction, if we're dealing with that in our marriage, is a problem, and it's a big problem, and it's not the, the only problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And as I think we accept that in this next stage, we begin to see that everything we're working on, whether it's how we're healing, what we believe we need to heal, or how we're stopping behaviors, or anything else leads to patterns we're also noticing about ourselves. And as we get better at analyzing those and making decisions about which ones need changing, we're then building a relationship too. Um, do, you, do you have some awareness, given the years that you've done this, that in this second season, what what can be some of the things or where are some of the places that couples get stuck or derailed where this this can be a, a pattern or this this is one of those challenging places or this typically is a place that people re experience resistance are there any kind of generalities that you could speak to well, I think a few that I think of is one is um, unresolved trauma in your own life um, in other words. Addiction brought into a marriage is a very traumatic thing, as we're all talking about these days. And I also know that no one lives without little T or big T traumas earlier in life as well. If, if we fail to look at those stories and know how they shaped and formed our thinking, our feeling, and how we behave, um, we'll, we'll take a lot of that pain and we'll add it on to the trauma that's showing up currently. Um, so I believe that can be a really stuck place for, for both people, actually. Um, and many people need a lot more help and attention to older trauma. I think another really big piece of that is our brain chemistry. And some of that we are inheriting from our parents. Some of it is formed by our own trauma in life. And um, we need to take a look at things like anxiety and depression um, ADD, OCD, sleep apnea, all of those issues that create even bigger issues when we're trying to manage those within a relationship and hope for someone else to notice them enough to make their changes so I can feel better about where I am mm -hmm. or my lack of, of limitations for things I can or cannot do. Um, I think another one is just the things... Um, We've learned in our churches and especially in our homes, our belief systems about our spiritual life. I fi I'm finding that one to be a very big one yeah. these days. I, I would yeah. say, because that, that was one of the ones that came to my mind, yeah. is what I would say is simplistic faith. Mm -hmm. That when you've been given a faith experience of certitude, 
that is very simple. It's this way or that way. It's that mm-hmm. either or. You're either right or wrong, good or bad, in or out. If your faith is too simplistic, then it doesn't engage the complexity of life. And what I see is either my faith is deconstructed because the complexity of life is too much for the simplicity, or I'm constantly seeking some sort of spiritual bypass and some sort of simple response to a complex issue that really doesn't help me engage and navigate the complexity of life. And I think that when we are able to engage the mystery and the uncertainty and the beauty and the bigness of God, then it instills in us the faith that allows us to move towards the complexity. And where there is absolute certainty, there doesn't need to be faith. And we're not called to absolute certainty, we're called to faith. Mm -hmm. And so I think for many couples, it's in this complex marriage piece that they either deconstruct the simplistic faith and engage some complexity, or they attempt a spiritual bypass that doesn't lead to intimacy, or they end up not being able to move forward at all and their relationship is deconstructed at that point. And, you know, I think it's really important for, you know, couples to explore the basic structure of their marriage. And whether it's a patriarchal marriage, a matriarchal marriage, an egalitarian marriage, it's very important to know where you're operating from. And I think a lot of people don't even think to talk about those things because they become really essential to so many decisions and how you live together Mm -hmm. as a couple. So okay. we could go on and on we could. And now to a part three. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for being with us today again, yeah. Deb. It's always a joy for us to have you here. And uh, we'd like to thank our listeners and our viewers for watching and listening to today's podcast. We hope that uh, this conversation and guidance has, has opened your eyes to uh, your own situation and why, what might be helpful in moving ahead in your journey as well. Uh, For those of you who are seeing us for the first time, uh, we hope that you'll explore and find out more about Faithful and True. The best way to do that is to go to our website, faithfulandtrue.com, spelling out and, faithfulandtrue.com, where you'll find many resources that are helpful for you. You'll find information about our three-day intensive workshops for men, women, and couples. And you'll also find our online bookstore, in which we have all of the books by Mark and Debbie Laser, as well as the book by uh, Greg's wife, Beth. Uh, Just great resources that have helped thousands and thousands of people. So until we join you again, we hope that this coming week will be a week that's filled with many blessings and with great vision.